And now, in studio, a true mover and shaker in the real estate market, seen on the American Dream TV show, and nationally recognized award-winning real estate expert, here to deliver you the timely truths on the San Diego market, your host, David Rudd. Hey, San Diego. We're keeping it real, keeping up with real estate. I've got some special guests here with me today, too, because I've got a great series coming out uh, that we want to talk about, about heart health. I have special guest Dr. Jay Pandy here with us. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Really, really appreciate it. And Lena, we also have you here with us. I want to talk real estate because you're out on the streets living over in Carmel Valley, and yes. uh, there's a lot of craziness going on here in the market. Yes. People are surprised to hear right now that actually pending sales have actually dropped. Now, this may sound counterintuitive, but why do you think they may have dropped? You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I kind of wonder, you know, obviously you can't really say maybe it's weather related like it is in other cities. Um, but I also think that there's a little bit of hesitation uh, on, on the well-qualified buyer to kind of make those commitments. Well, it's a little bit of both. And on there, what's happening is, and people are gonna be surprised to hear this because they're hearing so much that we still have the highest demand going on in the market right now, such small inventory here in San Diego. And what we're finding is that there's just not enough houses for people to get into. So we actually have seen, it's it's the lowest in a year, down 2.8% in January, which puts us at, we just don't have the inventory out there. So we have sellers on the, on the fence that are scared to either upsize or downsize from their home because they don't have something to go in and purchase. And uh, with that, with what you said, we have buyers that are qualified and they're a little on the fence because they, they're not certain if they're going to be able to get into anything. And this weekend, I had two homes uh, just come straight to market, multiple offers on both. We had over 100 people through uh, the property over in Rancho Penasquitas. Um, we have a total of four offers on that property right now. Uh, another one up in San Marcos, uh, that actually went, we actually went pending last night, uh, accepted the contract uh, with multi-counters. So it, the market is just so intense right now uh, in San Diego, just due to the lack of inventory, but also this high, high, high demand. So if you're out there looking, you know, one of the great things that we're able to do is help you specialize uh, in, in our buyer's market by going in and helping you navigate and making sure that you put in an offer that's going to be accepted. And that could be that you need to sell your existing residence. And we find a way to structure to make that work for you. So always you can reach out to us, kindredrealestate.com. Uh, you can reach out to me here at the studio. More than happy to walk through with what's currently going on in the market. And a couple you know, things that you need to be aware out there, if you are a current buyer, uh, you know, there are these great properties due to inventory shortages where we have you know, homes that are being fixed and flipped. And so we have buyers out there. They love the pretty, pretty pretty look of the house because it's just been flipped. But you do have to be careful. And, I, and and that's where it's really important that you do your due diligence because when an investor is actually looking at purchasing a property that's going to be a fix and flip, they're mo mainly concerned about their margins. And by they're concerned about their margins is they're most likely going to select inferior materials or inferior workmanship and that could come back to bite you. And so you need to be very careful and have a lot of guidance as you're going through that process. Because all remodeled kitchens are not equal. All you know, new face plates on the electrical, you could have an underlying electrical issue there, some of which you just need to make sure that you're doing expert analysis by bringing in inspectors to look at that type of work. So if you're out there in the buyer's market right now, you see a home that you know is a fix and flip. <clears throat> you know, I showed a client one up in... Uh, a part of town uh, just at the end of this last week. It's one of the things you have to be careful about because you may be buying something that is what we call a lipstick on a pig. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, a year from now, you're going to find that you have an issue. And that could be, you know, from these heavy, you know, if you're with extreme heat or weather that would be going in, you could have water leaks, et cetera. And those are issues that are actually going to cost you money. So it's something that Everybody has to be aware of, but that's what's going on here in San Diego's real estate market. Always stick in uh, and reach out to me, your real estate expert, David, here at uh, kindredrealestate.com, uh, and we're happy to help you. So I want to jump into this series because it's really important to me. Uh, you know, Dr. Pandy, Dr. J, I know that's really common now. How has that changed in, in the 
in the medical field now because I see a lot of doctors, instead of having their last names used, they'll be like, no, just call me Dr. J. Yeah, I think that's very common, especially uh, uh, younger doctors. I think uh, just, yeah, call me by my first name or, yeah, Dr. J. And I, I think that's uh, <laughs> Wasn't there a basketball play for Dr. There J? There was, yeah. yeah <laughs> Julia Serving played for the 76ers. That's awesome. Yep. So it's like Dr. J. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's very common. And I think uh, sometimes, especially, you know, people have a, a hard time pronouncing my last name. So I'll just tell them to call me Dr. J which makes well, it easier. It is. And you know why I wanted you to be here and, and Dr. Uh, J Pandy, he is my cardiologist and I, I, I take a proactive approach to this and that's what I really want to share with the audience out there because it's one of the things that impacts so many people in the world. Uh, and heart health is so, so important. Um, he, you can reach out to him at his practice at 619-512-1915. We want to get you ed- educated a little bit about heart health because one of the concerns that I know that I have and a heart disease runs actually in my family. Um, and I had of quite a few of my un- uncles pass away uh, from heart attacks. And that's why it's at the forefront of my mind. Uh, but I think that it's one of those things people need to be a little bit proactive and educate themselves before they have a problem. Uh, and so we're doing a two-part series. This series, we're going to talk about heart health, like as far as what a heart attack actually is. Uh, but this next segment, this next week, we're actually going to be going into, or later in the month, we're going to be going through heart health and actually ways to work on lifestyle. And uh, But you know, overall, because a lot of people don't exactly know what a heart attack is, what is a heart attack? So uh, a heart attack is when we have buildup of plaque in, in the arteries that supply the heart. And when uh, a, a plaque ruptures or tears, there causes uh, a, a tear in that artery and exposure of the substance underneath which is, you know, uh, cholesterol and other factors. And when this gets exposed to the bloodstream, the bloodstream will, uh, the blood uh, cells will tend to clot and the platelets and the blood cells will tend to form a clot because they're not used to uh, seeing the substance underneath the skin of the, uh, underneath the skin of the plaque. And uh, when that blood clot forms, that clot can then block the artery, which then leads to, a, a total blockage of the artery so that part of the heart doesn't get a good enough blood supply. And when that part of the heart doesn't get a good enough blood supply, the heart cells actually start, uh, can die. And when they die, they release an enzyme into the bloodstream, which allows us to detect the, uh, that a heart attack is going on. But uh, the bottom line is that uh, what's happening is that you have a blockage of the artery caused by rupture of this uh, plaque formation within the wall of the artery and, and, and leading to a clot, uh, clot forming. And, uh, and, and that leads to the total blockage of the artery, which leads to the, the muscles uh, of the heart dying. Wow. So it goes in and when that clot or that blockage happens, you're actually just cutting off. And it, so many people would think, and I think it, it's like, how is the heart like starved for its own, you know, oxygen and, and, and starved from its own blood supply, but knowing that that artery is cut off, that it can't actually go in and give nutrients and the, the actual materials that are needed to be able to operate that then in part, and it's, and it's just a portion of, of the, the heart, or it depends, I guess, on the situation, right. but a portion with that lack of blood supply there, it, it creates that, that portion of the heart to start dying, the tissue dying, which then creates what? How do we recognize those symptoms? So uh, basically uh, the symptoms of the heart attack are usually a crushing, uh, a crushing uh, pain in the, uh, underneath the sternum or in like the middle of the chest or sometimes on the left side of the chest or some people describe it as a squeezing sensation. It's also sometimes described as a tightness or a pressure sensation. Now, when this lasts for several minutes, usually more than five minutes or so, uh, there is cause for concern, especially if it's associated with other symptoms such as sweating or what we call a diaphoresis, uh, shortness of breath, dizziness, lightheadedness. If you feel you're feeling your, some palpitations like your heart's racing or fluttering, uh, those all are cause for concern. And if, if you are feeling something like that, then it's important to... Uh, 
uh, call 911 immediately or have someone call 911. Um, It's important to know, however, that not everyone has these symptoms. And in particular, women oftentimes present with different symptoms. So uh, while men will uh, frequently describe these uh, typical symptoms of the crushing chest pain, uh, women oftentimes will have other symptoms. So they may have pain, uh, pain in their jaw or neck or pain in their arms, or they may have uh, just shortness of breath or, uh, or, or what we call epigastric pain, which is pain in the middle of your belly. Wow. Uh, or sometimes just nausea and vomiting. Um, and sometimes it could even be what people consider a silent heart attack, which is uh, not uncommon in patients who have diabetes. And uh, they will not have very many symptoms at all, or they'll just be present with fatigue. Uh, so a, a lot of these, uh, there's a lot of different symptoms. And uh, it's important to note that, you know, uh, if you're a woman, that you, your presentation may not be this typical chest discomfort. So if you do have any of these other symptoms, it may be something to uh, to uh, to get assessed further. And I think that's really important. So if you're listening out there, it's really good to know like your gender, knowing what is going to go on because these symptoms can present them to you in different forms. So it's a great way to educate yourself where we just, you know, we're talking about, you know, heart health, the symptoms of a heart attack. In men, it, it common presents itself as tightness in the chest, maybe shortness of breath. Um, and in women, they can actually feel sensations everywhere. So it's a, I think that's really important to know because people are like, something's off. Oh, you can't be having a heart attack. Are, are you feeling, you know, pressure or tightness in your chest or is your yeah. arm pressure in one of your arms? Um so I think that that's really important to know because those symptoms, like you said, especially if you're suffering from diabetes and having what's known as a silent heart attack, I, I mean, these, this is very important because this isn't like everything we typically hear. Right. And I think that if, if you do have some of these symptoms, especially, like I said, if it lasts more than five minutes and if it's associated with some of the other symptoms like the sweating and the shortness of breath or the nausea, and, or if you have vomiting, then it's important at that point to, for you to call 911. Uh, if it's not, if say for instance, if you have like some chest discomfort, but you notice that it occurs, especially just when you're exerting yourself. So if you're like walking up the stairs or, you know, you you do your usual uh, walk on the treadmill and you're only able to walk uh, for five minutes now because you start having some, uh, some uh, chest discomfort. If that's the situation, then, you know, you, uh, you could um, go, go ahead and just call your doctor. Um, and there are certain uh, types of discomfort that are not really associated with, with the heart at all. So, for instance, if you have a, a discomfort in your chest that you can just, uh, that's like a pinpoint at, at a very particular sensation and you could just point to it. Um, or if there is discomfort that you have, like, uh, for instance, when you take in a deep breath, then you have that pain then, um, or, or if there's a discomfort that you have when you like push on your chest, uh, uh, that reproduces the, the pain. Those types of discomfort are usually what we call non-cardiac discomfort. And th- that's something that, you know, you should probably still have further assessed, but it, you don't need to call 911 in that situation. But if you, I, I, I want to just reiterate this, if you have any questions and if you have any concern, then uh, I think it's important to notify emergency medical services immediately. I definitely, I mean, on that side, and if you're looking, you're not, even if you, you're young, athletic, all of these other things that we're going to talk about in this show and in, in another upcoming show, you know, if you're suffering from diabetes or currently have heart hypertension, there's oftentimes your doctor is not going to send you out to a specialist due, due to insurance requirements. And there's all this huge hubbub of talking about insurance right now, just with the Affordable Care Act. And even if you have private insurance, um, one of the things and why I think it's important is that there's a cost to your health and your life. So you need to be proactive in looking at not only change in lifestyle, but it also, it, it's not pragmatic. It's sort of like an insurance policy. If you have something that runs in your family, it's a great time to go in and just sit down with a cardiologist. I definitely recommend uh, Dr. J. Pandy. You can reach out to him at 619-512-1915, and you can discuss with your own personal physician uh, or look at other options, even if it isn't an insurance uh 
covered checkup uh, because there are some things that you may be looking at. Uh, and you may want to look at that before it is a critical mass where you are having to go to the hospital. You're listening to The David Rudd Show. Stick around. We've got more coming up. The answer. Hey, San Diego, Craig Sewing here. Look, one of the things that nobody likes to hear is that they got bugs in their home. Almost all California homes have some sort of bug or termite problem. It's not a cool thing to have bugs running around your house, so I'm going to help you get rid of them. I want you to connect with Lloyd's Pest Control. These are our good friends at the Craig Sewing Show. They can help you. They've been in business putting bugs out of business since 1931. They'll do a free inspection for you. If you want to get your biggest investment checked out, make sure there's not bugs or termites, go to LloydPest.com. That's LloydPest.com. Dot com and get a free inspection of your real estate today. Hey, Craig Sewing here, consumer activist. You hear me every day at 6 p.m. on KCBQ. My goal is to help you win in any marketplace. One of the things that applies to every single person that listens to our show and that's listening right now, you have a credit score, and more likely than not, it has inaccuracies on it. Nobody seems to understand how these things work. Here's what I can tell you. I have a credit expert that's a partner in the show named Aran Sinai. I call him the credit magician. If you've ever had any issues with your credit, you want to get your scores up, maybe a foreclosure, bankruptcy, or maybe just a collection. You know the city of San Diego can send parking tickets to collections? Crazy. Well, bad credit's a choice. Reach out to Aran Sinai. How do you do that? You go to our website, AmericanDreamElite.com. AmericanDreamElite.com. Hit me up on the contact form. I'll connect you with Iran. AmericanDreamElite.com. If you've ever had any credit issues whatsoever, AmericanDreamElite.com. AM 1170, The Answer. All right, you're back with the David Rudd Show. Along with me, special guest, uh, Dr. Jay Pondy. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. Well, we're talking about heart health. We covered up in the last segment what a heart attack is, some of the symptoms that are going on. Uh, and, you know, why, you know, there's a whole entire conversation that goes on about a heart disease. And what exactly is heart disease? So basically, there's several different forms of heart disease. The most common type, uh, and probably the type that we'll be talking about is uh, coronary artery disease, which is the buildup of plaque within the arteries. Uh, there's other types of heart disease also, such as hypertensive heart disease, which is heart disease that occurs from having high blood pressure. And that high blood pressure after having that for a prolonged period of time can actually impact the heart and actually impact the heart muscle itself. So the heart muscle itself becomes thicker. Um, and this is what we call uh, remodeling. Um, there is a valvular heart disease where the valves of the heart, which open and close and let blood through, uh, they can sometimes become impaired and either become too tight. And uh, when they become too tight, not enough blood then can sometimes get out to the rest of the body. Or they can become very leaky. And when these valves leak, they can uh, the blood goes backwards and then can actually back up in, even into the lungs and stuff. And, and when that happens, uh, your uh, your lungs fill up and you, you get become short of breath. Uh, and then you have uh, what we call cardiomyopathy or uh, congestive heart failure, which is a weakening of the heart muscle, which can happen for several reasons. One of the most common reasons is the first thing that we talked about, which was coronary artery disease, which is blockages in the uh, arteries of the heart. And that, that can lead to a weakening of the heart muscle. And then there's arrhythmic heart disease, which is uh, the heart, uh, the electricity traveling within the heart. And sometimes that can get disrupted and your heart can either go too slow or sometimes uh, too fast. And both of these can lead to dangerous circumstances. And that would be an instance where somebody's getting a pacemaker. Correct. That's right. And, and get everything situated. Yeah. I had a client uh, with the one that had to go on with the valves and, um, it was actually why we were in the middle of escrow on a home and he, we were, he's super, super athletic, like goes out playing baseball all the time. Very, very healthy. And why I stress is healthy. And, and this, the, the valve situation I know is going to come off a little bit um, differently, but there, there are people that I, you would say are top fit shape. Um, and in fact, the guy, I don't know. Did you just read about this? Yeah. 
biggest loser? Yeah, he was yeah. the biggest loser on that show. Mm-hmm. He is like one of the personal trainers on there. Yeah. I'm going to pull it up because it was very interesting. He still has not uh, awoken. He had a heart attack just a few days ago, and he still oh. has not um, He's not awake. I think he's been down for two days. Which is pretty amazing. I'll pull that up, and then we'll talk about it. But it's kind I, of interesting. I hadn't heard about that. But it's a, one of those things where it it's – you know, that silent killer that goes on because it doesn't necessarily represent itself with ongoing things. And when these heart attacks happen, it just, it it can be, I mean, it is catastrophic and happens. And that's why it's very important to be uh, proactive and also look at your family, uh, you know, talk about that. When you have a family where there's like mine, where there's heart disease that runs in the family, what are things which you would give advice to for people being on from a proactive basis? Yeah, I think that uh, it, it, you're absolutely right. A lot of times it can be very silent um, and uh, in people. And so that's why it's important to, to make sure that you're, you're evaluated. Uh, and when it, especially when it runs in your family, there is an increased risk. And I think that, um, you know, uh, some of the things that you can do to be proactive about it is go see your doctor or go see a cardiologist and, you know, talk with them about, uh, about yourself. And basically they'll want to know, uh, several, uh, several things about you. And some of the, uh, things that we want to identify are what we call the, uh, core risk factors for heart disease, which include age, uh, gender, uh, whether or not you have diabetes, whether or not you have high blood pressure, uh, whether or not you've, uh, you're a smoker or have been a smoker in the recent past. Um, uh, what your, what your cholesterol levels are, what your, you know, your, what your good and your bad cholesterol levels are. And using all this, what we do is we formulate a, uh, a risk assessment and that risk assessment tells us exactly, you know, what your personal risk is for having a, what we call a cardiovascular event, basically a heart attack or a stroke within the next 10 years. And, uh, then based on that risk assessment, we decide, what to do, uh, what what next steps to take, whether that's uh, refer you for a stress test or refer you for other types of testing, such as like uh, getting a, a cardiac CT, which will can tell you your ca- cardiac uh, your coronary calcium score, um, and uh, the uh, it, uh, so all of these things put together help us decide what the next step will be. Now, one of the things is that stress test, and I, I haven't done one myself, but I just hear horror stories. Getting on that treadmill, like running till you're out of breath. Yeah. I mean, it, it just to me is, it's, I mean, obviously they get the data from it that's helpful. Yeah. So what? why do people go through, like with now where technology is at, where we can do these scans, what, what are the things that are revealed from the CT scan that are not necessarily revealed during the stress test or vice versa? Because I, I know the, or I shouldn't say I know, my understanding is it's more common for people to get a stress test as like one of the first things done and not the CT scan looking at the um, the calcium level or coronary calcium right. level. Right. And what is what what is the reason for both of those? And so so basically, uh, uh, actually, you know, why don't we uh, talk about like uh, a lot of these different tests? So probably okay. one of the first assessments that uh, your doctor or your cardiologist do will do is a basic EKG test or ECG. It's called, it stands for electrocardiogram. And that's where they put the electrodes on your chest wall and also on your arms and your legs. And basically they monitor the electrical impulse traveling through the heart. It kind of looks like a lie detector test, by the way. Exactly. (laughs) There's a little squiggly line. Yeah, a little squiggly line and then you get spikes every so often. And those spikes every so often is the electricity traveling through the uh, bottom chambers of your heart. And it, um, and what that that gives us a lot of information, especially initially, uh, and that gives us information about how the electricity is traveling through the heart, whether or not there you're actively having any um, what we call ischemia or your heart, which indicates that your heart's not getting a good enough blood supply. Uh, it lets us know if you have any uh, heart rhythm problems at that moment. You know, for instance, like if you have a, a block or a, a cut in the electricity where the electricity just it doesn't go down one part of the heart as well, it allows us to know that. Uh, another type of test that your doctor may recommend is a echocardiogram, which is basically an ultrasound of the heart. And that lets you know 
uh, gives you a basic idea of the structure and function of the heart, lets you know how well the heart's squeezing. So, uh, you know, when the heart's squeezing really well, that's, that's usually a good sign. And if the heart's squeezing poorly, it allows us to see that. Can it, you see if somebody has a cold heart? <laughs> We're not that advanced yet, <laughs> but but it also allows you to see the uh, the valves and the, as they open and close, and whether or not they have any leaky valves or any tight valves. Um, now, a uh, the uh, the stress test allows us to assess whether or not your heart is getting a good enough blood supply. So it's more of a functional study. Whereas the CT scan and the uh, uh, coronary calcium score is more of a uh, anatomic assessment. And uh, so there are uh, different types of assessments used in slightly different situations. Now, the, we, we, uh, depending on what the situation is, you know, when a patient comes in. So say, for instance, uh, they, they're, they're coming in with some chest discomfort that occurs, you know, every once in a while and... Uh, you're not sure if it's coming from, uh, if, and, and uh, the doctor wants to find out whether or not that's coming from the heart or not. And where's the most common? Because I've, I've heard that indigestion can be very confusing. Like people can be confused that you're having a, a heart attack um, or even just a like stress attack um, that would not have to do with the heart. What is one of the most common alternate symptoms where somebody is, what's caused, like what is that caused by? Uh, that would yeah. lead to like a the similar symptoms to a heart attack, but it's not. Yeah, probably the most common is what we call from a, a GI source. Uh, so either from yeah indigestion, you know, gas could also be gastroesophageal reflux. A lot of times, those symptoms can be confused with uh, with with heart pain. And uh, some of the things to help you differentiate are, you know, for instance, if you take a antacid and that antacid relieves the discomfort, then that's more likely to be a, a GI-related discomfort uh, versus if the discomfort occurs, let's say, when you're uh, walking or trying to climb stairs. Uh, or exerting yourself, that's more likely to be a heart discomfort. And I think that that's a tricky thing going on right now because we're seeing, you know, America's weight levels at such a high rate across, you know, across the United States. And one of the things, you know, like um, gastric reflux and all of that stuff that that goes on that may be presenting itself, that also leads to some of the the maybe unhealthy habits that are out there uh, because there is an increase typically with um, acid reflux when you are gaining weight or eating high fatty foods and things that may not be going on with that. So, you know, I guess for me, the common sense thing would be, well, if you have been suffering from, let's say, acid reflux, you kind of have to be a little bit more careful. I mean, or knowing with what that feeling is because you would hate to not go to the doctor in the event that you're just saying, oh, it's just indigestion, or I think the term for it is GERD, like if it's chronic, mm-hmm. um, if they have chronic acid reflux, right. so that you could be thinking it's indigestion when actually you still you have a major medical issue going. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely uh, could be masking something else more serious going on, and yeah, that's why I think it's really important to follow up with your doctor. And, you, you know, ha- have your doctor assess and, you know, they'll ask you uh, whether or not like it's uh, associated with belching. If you, if you do take antacids, does it get better uh, or does the discomfort worse when you exert yourself? Is there something, you know, do you have risk factors for heart disease? And then they'll decide whether or not you should see a cardiologist. Um, or, or possibly you just see a GI doctor, or they may just put you on a medication to, uh, if they feel that it's more likely associated with a GI cause, they may put you on a medication uh, like a, a proton pump inhibitor, like Protonix or, or Prevacid, and and see if those relieve the symptoms. Well, and that's why I bring that up, and I I know we're going on a little bit of a tangent because I want to get over to. The, the portion, but on there, I see across the board, like when you see Costco that goes from like a Nexium or you see um, Prilosec now as an over-the-counter drug when it was actually previously a prescription. Uh, now, I, I mean, to me, that just indicates if there's profit there that a lot of people are suffering from this indigestion. If that's one or a common factor that may have some of that pain that could be similar to what you'd be feeling while you're having a heart attack. I mean, if you're on that stuff, just take note. I mean, make sure that you know the difference between symptoms and just don't chalk everything up to indigestion because I think you could put yourself in trouble. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, uh, again, if there's any question at all, or if there's any concern, uh, then you absolutely see your doctor. If it's happening in the moment, and like I said, if it's something that lasts for several minutes, uh, and or if it's associated with those other symptoms, then you should call 911. Definitely call 911. In the meantime, if you need to get checked out, I definitely recommend getting with, together with Dr. Jay Pondi. You can reach out to him at 619-512-1915. The office would love to uh, set up an appointment with you. Go ahead and get a check. Obviously, start with your primary care physician as well. But this is one of those things that is an epidemic in America. We hear this going on with diabetes as well. A lot of these factors are impacting so many people. And as we continue to age in our lives, we need to take a proactive approach. If you're willing to get your you know, hair done, your nails done, you're willing to go get a massage or all of that, you need to be proactive in spending these money for these checkups just to start getting a baseline. And if your insurance company is not necessarily covering it, it explore the other options of a way to go in and pay for this potentially life-saving and life-changing uh, because we're all very important. Stick around. You're listening to The David Rudd Show. AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, do you believe in global warming? This seems to be a hot topic these days, no pun intended. Question is this, is it real? Is it man-manufactured? Is it just the earth being old? Or is it just a political play? You know what? I don't know and I don't care. Craig Sewing here, and I'm here to tell you this. Whether global warming exists or not, it always makes sense to try and protect our planet, regardless of global warming and the political argument. It always makes sense to save money. So, why not explore the opportunity financially that exists with solar energy? If you put in solar energy into your home, you can save a ton of money that you're wasting on your electric and gas bill. Why not go solar? It saves you money. And look, it's good for the planet. Whether you believe in global warming or not, doesn't really matter. Anything we can do that's good for the planet that can save you money, two thumbs up for me. The problem is there's a lot of shady companies out there. So I want to recommend just one, the only company that I endorse for solar. It's Baker Electric Solar. They've been in business for almost a century. I know these guys really well. They're good friends of mine. Visit them online, bakerelectricsolar.com. That's BakerElectricSolar.com. You can go there from your smartphone. Today is the day. Let's save some money. Let's get those solar panels. They'll do a complimentary review. BakerElectricSolar.com. Are you sick and tired of the mainstream media? Tired of politicians? Tired of political correctness? Maybe some of the stuff you see on social media, it all can get a little bit nauseating. I agree with you. My name is Craig Sewing. You've heard me on KCBQ for years. You've probably seen my TV show, The American Dream, on Channel 4 every morning. All this stuff gets put up at craigsewing.com. Look, I believe we live in the greatest city in the greatest country on the planet. And therefore, all of the shows, the things we do online, our social media, everything that is tied to my model and my brand is about lifting you and the American dream as a whole. I want you to join the movement. I really hope you can. It's really simple. We are doing radio shows, TV shows, newsletters, social media, all celebrating the fact that we live in the greatest country on the planet. I know there's a lot of negativity out there, but let's remember, San Diego, the weather's perfect year round. In this country, people get paid more in welfare than doctors in other countries. We have an immigration problem where millions want in, not out of this country. We have a volunteer military that is willing to die to protect your freedoms. We have an amazing country. We should celebrate that. That's why I have a TV show called The American Dream. And it's why I'm asking you to join this mission. How do we do it? We spread the word. It's that simple. If you visit me online at craigsewing.com, there's a tab for the Dream Team. Join the Dream Team. It's just going to notify you of all the cool things we have going on in radio, TV, social media. And it gives you the opportunity to share the content and add your own two cents as well. I believe we can create our own movement. It starts at craigsewing.com. There's no strings attached. I'm not trying to get any money out of you or anything closely related to that. Not at all. Let's spread the word. Craig Sewing. Go there today, join the dream team, help us spread the word on the American dream. AM 1170, The Answer. And you're back with the David Rudd Show. Special guest with us, Jay Pondy. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you again. We also have your lovely life, wife, Lena, with us. Hello. Talking some real estate, some fun stuff. Talking about what's going on in Carmel Valley. Well, we're talking about the heart. I hope everybody's got one. Otherwise, you may just be a zombie and like eating brains. But you probably still have a heart in there. It's just not pumping. Uh, uh, but we're talking about some really important stuff. I, You know, I really, for 2017, there is so, so much craziness going on in the world right now. 
people would argue it's going to give somebody a heart attack. Whether that's politics, whether that's terrorism, the reality is, is your health comes first. Without health, you don't need to be worried about wealth. And uh, so, we're talking about your heart, how to get yourself to be proactive, um, and also giving you some education as to you know, what's going on if you would have a heart attack, uh, if you have diabetes, some things that you need to be watching out for. In the last segment, you always can check it out um, uh, from the podcast or via SoundCloud. Uh, but we were just talking about some of the, the actually screening that goes on when somebody comes in and is actually complaining or showing symptoms or potentially as running a familial um, situation that they need to be looking at. Yeah. Uh, potentially heart disease. Sure. So, yeah. So, I was, uh, we we're talking about some of the tests that we do, and we start with the EKG and the echocardiogram. Um, the A lot of times when patients come in with chest discomfort, uh, and I'm uh, wondering whether or not that is coming from their heart, what I'll, the next step that I'll do is I'll pr- probably proceed with doing evaluating them with the stress test. And basically, a stress test... I just was saying, though, we're all stressed. What more right. stress do we need? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's like a workout for your heart? Is that what... It, that, that's exactly what it is. And it, yeah, it's a workout for your heart. And uh, when uh, patients think of a stress test, most often they think of uh, walking on a treadmill. And that is the most common way that we that we actually stress your heart. Can you do it like jumping out of a plane? Oh, that would definitely be a stressor, <laughs> but it would be very hard to get the EKG while you're jumping out of a plane. Just very long, long <laughs> receptors. Right. <laughs> very long to, yeah, extension Tenet. cord. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, when we do a stress test, we hook patients up to an EKG. And we uh, we get an EKG at rest as well as uh, as well as uh, observe their vital signs at rest, and then and then we stress them. And basically, by the way that we stress them is by having them walk on a treadmill. And uh, every three minutes, we increase the speed and we increase the uh, the grade of the treadmill. So. Uh, by the end, you're you're walking very much uphill. Has anybody ever flown off one? Yes, yes, they have. Uh, we we try not <laughs> to not let laughing. that happen. Uh, <laughs> I'm not laughing because it's happening. <laughs> we, <laughs> My first day of exercise started off with a stress test. <laughs> I fell off the treadmill, so I decided not to go back to the gym. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yeah, we, we obviously we try not to let that happen, and you know we have people standing behind you just to make sure. Uh, that nothing like that happens. And we, um, we also, you know, can assess that if you're getting too tired and if you're not going to be able to proceed further, we, we then stop the test. If we can't do a, a stress test by having person, patient walk on a treadmill, and so there's, there's a lot of people who have, you know, musculoskeletal issues, either arthritis or, or chronic back pain or, uh, or knee issues or, um, or they have an amputation and they're not able to walk on a treadmill, we're able to do what's called a uh, pharmacologic stress test or, uh, or a chemical stress test, which is basically giving uh, patients a medicine, either a medicine that stimulates their heart to beat faster and stronger or a medicine that can dilate the arteries of the heart. And then we can take some pictures before and after uh, uh, before we stress them and after we stress them. And that gives us an indication about a couple of things, whether or not their heart's getting good enough blood supply. Um, so also, you're, if you are adverse to exercise, right, there, are other other, there, are, yeah, there are other options. I love it. <laughs> we, you, you can run on the red treadmill for me. Why I, why I just get those medicine. Yeah. <laughs> I tease, I tease. That's okay. We usually do prefer patients if they can exercise uh, to, uh, to walk on the treadmill, because that gives us a, a lot of additional information. It lets us know. Definitely like yeah. motivation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 so, so it lets us know how your exercise tolerance is, whether or not you, uh, your heart rate and your blood pressure respond appropriately to exercise. Um, and, and um, yeah, exactly. Motivation. And it's important because especially when we're talking about with hypertension and blood pressure and if, because that's one of the things people aren't aware of when, like what your resting heart rate is, or by the time when you're exercising, if the indications that can come up with either your heart rate with what's going on with your blood pressure. So there's, 
Definitely. And plus, I don't know. I'm always like, just do the stuff physical if you can, because medicine's always got some potential ramifications to it anyway. Yeah. Uh, where a treadmill, you could potentially slip off, break an arm, <laughs> but at least you get a doctor's note. You can call in sick to work. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, the, well, the, the next step, like mm-hmm. if in the event that it's going through and those are being diagnostic, but when you're now going in and you're going to look at the um, coronary calcium levels. Yeah. Oh, so the, the coronary calcium levels, uh, that's, uh, that's obtained through a CT scan. And basically, uh, th- there's a couple of different types of CTs that you can obtain. You can obtain like a, a coronary calcium score, and that's when they do the uh, CT scan of your heart and they don't uh, inject any dye in there. And uh, the reason to do that is basically further risk stratification for patients. So ba- say, for instance, uh, a, a, a patient's coming in and they're not having chest pain, uh, but they have a family history of heart disease. And, you know, they wanted to know what their risk is. So the first thing that we do, like we talked about, is risk stratify them based on their risk factors, whether or not they have diabetes, high blood pressure, what their age, et cetera, is. Um, and, and we were talking during the break uh, because, you know, one of my questions was, and this was off air, but I think it's kind of important to point out, is that it, it was really, really important, you know, with what you said is that, you know, some of these diagnostics that go in um, that instead of going and putting yourself at further risk, such as having a high exposure to radiation, yeah. because there are the risks when we go in through these. And that was kind of the difference. Like, why are we going through the stress test? Me, I'm like, if you can take a picture of it, like, why not just do that? But you make a, I mean, great valid point. And I love, you know, with what you say uh, as your profession and you had this as your calling, which is you treat every patient like their family. Right. And I think that that's amazing rather than putting any patient at risk, taking a very, aggressive but still cautious approach to make sure that they're healthy. Right. Yeah, we try uh, try to tailor the approach that we take to each patient and, you know, what, you know, uh, first of all, what their goals and, you know, ambitions are for their health. And then, uh, and then based on their risk factors. And, you know, we try to tailor it based on, you know, evidence-based medicine. Um, so, for instance, like if, if we, after we take all those risk factors, uh, the patient is felt to be low risk, then I probably wouldn't do, need to do any further testing. But if they're felt to be moderate risk and, you know, for instance, that, that patient that came in who has the family history of heart problems, we may send them for a, 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 a coronary calcium score with, with the CT scan. And with that score we will be able to further risk stratify them. So for instance- So calcium sounds heavy, it's in milk. Yeah. But when is it not healthy or what does the score mean? So- Can it uh, be bad? Yeah, well, so the uh, the calcium, when it uh, when these plaques deposit, part of what happens, part of the disease process of atherosclerosis is there becomes like a hardening of these plaques and these plaques can get calcified. And so when that happens, that is actually, that can be bad. And so these plaques, I guess it it goes to the interior of the walls, which is like a sledge in the beginning. And then that's when it, is that what makes it hard? The plaque that is collecting the calcium or calcifying those? That's right. That that plaque gets calcified and, and that plaque as it builds up can, uh, can block the artery off and lead to an impaired blood supply. And what we, what we're measuring with the calcium is a indirect measure of it. When we see, when we see the calcium on, on the arteries, that's an indirect measurement of that there is evidence of plaque there. And so that's what we're measuring when we get the coronary calcium score. And so for instance, if you have like moderate risk, um, if, you, if your uh, 10-year cardiovascular risk is about uh, 7% and you get a coronary calcium score and your uh, calcium score is zero, well, that actually uh, means that your risk is, is going to be a little bit, uh, probably a little bit lower because you don't have any evidence of uh, uh, calcium de- deposition in the arteries. On the other hand, so if you're, um, if you're at moderate risk, but your coronary calcium score is, is very high, it puts you in the 90th percentile, then your risk is going to be even uh, higher. The, your 10-year your uh, risk is going to be even higher than expected by just the uh, traditional risk factors. And so does that come up? So that comes up on a picture then. So you're actually seen and that's what it's rated from or? That's right. Yeah. The, uh, usually what will happen is the, there will be a picture will come up and the radiologist will interpret that picture and, uh, and uh, assign a, a coronary calcium score. Interesting. 
So it looks like a bright Christmas tree if you've got a bad heart. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> Just when you thought you were glowing, yeah. it's not good. <laughs> so what is the, the, there's another type of diagnostic uh, aside from the CT scan, which yeah. you do a, a so, cardiac catheterization. That's right, a cardiac catheterization. And that's what actually allows us to actually uh, see the arteries of the heart and see where where there uh, there is a blockage now this isn't a uh, this isn't a screening type of test this is a test that we uh, we only undertake if we, if we need to because there are risks associated with this test as with any t- type of testing in particular with uh, w- with the cardiac catheterization uh, there's risks because it's an invasive procedure uh, you actually need to put catheters uh, through the artery, either of the wrist initially or the leg, and track those catheters to the uh, arteries of the heart. And so you're you're, you're ex- you know exposing uh, uh, the heart arteries to these catheters, and that carries a certain inherent risk with it. Also, the, there's a risk from radiation, and there's a risk from um, uh, from the contrast dye that we use to visualize these arteries. So we don't do these things uh, on everybody, but we, we want to make sure that, you know, that the patient is, uh, that we're doing it for the right reasons. So that the patient, you know, for instance, if a patient is coming in with chest discomfort that I'm concerned about, uh, I'll probably uh, initially send them for a screening test, usually like a, a stress test. And if their stress test shows that their heart is getting a poor blood supply, then my next and and, I'm, and I have them on the proper medications. Then my next step will be to evaluate them further with a heart catheterization. And with that, we put these catheters, like I said, either through the wrist or the artery of the leg. We track it up to the heart, and then we inject some dye into the blood vessels of the heart. And that gives us like a nice diagram of of those arteries, and we see where there is a blockage. And if there is a very significant blockage. Um, that's, uh, that is causing the patient chest discomfort uh, despite being on proper medication, then we may decide to put in a stent, which is a metal piece of scaffolding to uh, open up that artery and, and hold that artery open. You do construction on the heart. Well, it beats in the morning. It beats at the night. You know what? It, it, it's beating when you're happy. It's beating when you're sad. Your heart is an important thing. And what I recommend that you do is definitely reach out to Dr. Jay Pondy. You can reach out to him directly at 619-512-1915. I think get in and get an appointment. Get a medical checkup, especially... Um, if you're suffering from diabetes, if you have a medical history on it, our health is so important. And in these stressful times, you don't need to be stressed about your health. Well, stick around. You're listening to The David Rudd Show. AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, San Diego, Craig Sewing here. Look, one of the things that nobody likes to hear is that they got bugs in their home. Almost all California homes have some sort of bug or termite problem. It's not a cool thing to have bugs running around your house, so I'm going to help you get rid of them. I want you to connect with Lloyd's Pest Control. These are our good friends at the Craig Sewing Show. They can help you. They've been in business putting bugs out of business since 1931. They'll do a free inspection for you. If you want to get your biggest investment checked out, make sure there's not bugs or termites, go to LloydPest.com. That's LloydPest.com and get a free inspection of your real estate today. AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, you're back with the David Rudd Show. Thanks so much for sticking around. We're here in the final stretch. Along with us, we have Dr. Jay Pondy. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And Lena, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. We're talking about heart health. The thing, I mean, the organ that I really think we all neglect and we just don't give it enough credit. It's working all the time. Never stops. (laughs) We hope. (laughs) Otherwise, you bring it back to start beating again. (laughs) Well, we're talking about heart health. We've been talking about heart disease, heart attacks, about diagnosis. And we're, you know, what what do you think? Well, we talked about what the heart attack is. and we talked about the symptoms here. What would you say is one of the things that is most overlooked with going on with heart disease today? Because I'm seeing it come out with people that it was so age-related before. We're, mm-hmm. we're now starting to see it in younger people. 
Right. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it, it is becoming a lot more prevalent in our society. Um, I think that, uh, part of the reason for that is, is our diet. And, you know, as, as a society, uh, we eat a lot of fast foods and we eat a lot of processed foods. That Grand Mac just came out. The, <laughs> the <right>. Grand Mac. <laughs> hey, Paul, you like the Grand Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we're bombarded every day with yeah. those types of things, and and we're with that just being constantly pushed and forced in our face, right? And and uh, and which is leading to uh, you know an epidemic of obesity and uh, diabetes and high blood pressure and all of these things. Then you know combine, and and the end result of that is heart attacks and strokes. And what I consider going on right now with diabetes, too, is such an epidemic now. It's just impacting so many young, old, um, you know, my niece, I've had her on the show with JDRF and and um, suffering from juvenile diabetes, which is not actually, it's not necessarily related to eating habits. And, and, and so the two are different. But with diabetes, what are the additional complications or why are the complications higher for patients um, in di- with diabetes and heart disease as opposed to someone not suffering from diabetes? Yeah, I think one reason is that a lot of times uh, it, it gets uh, detected later. And uh, part of the reason may be that, uh, you know, patients uh are, are not having the, the usual typical symptoms from heart disease. And so because of that, patients will, uh, will, will go on and it won't be noticed until, you know, patient comes in with heart failure. And does it, why are those symptoms different or do they know why the symptoms are different from somebody with diabetes as compared to somebody without diabetes? Because I think you said that you not, if you have diabetes, you're not necessarily going to feel the chest pain or right. feel some of the typical or well-known symptoms. Yeah, I, um, th- that's a great question. I don't uh, know the uh, definite uh, answer for that. And I think probably because it's still evolving uh, right. as far as what's going on. I mean, diabetes, yes, has been around for a very long time, but now it's becoming to a mass scale. Some things I would think because type 2 diabetes with, you know, higher triglycerides and insulin resistance in the blood, which could be relating, you know, to diet uh, and things of that nature and just, you know, the overall failure going on and moving into a type 2 diabetes situation. I would think those, and we're going to talk about that in the, you know, the next show mm-hmm. um, about some of the lifestyle things, but what and how that contributes to um, heart disease overall. But I would think I could see the correlation there. Do you know, or have you looked at anything? Is there a correlation between, is there a difference between type 1 and type 2 and heart disease? Or is it just if they're suffering from diabetes that there is a higher risk? Uh you know, that's a good question. I don't know if there is a significant difference between type 1 and type 2. Uh, type 1 is uh, because of a lack of the insulin uh, production versus type 2, which is due to insulin uh, resistance. And so uh, type 1 is, is, is uh, usually very well corrected with the administration of, of insulin. Um, so, uh, but I don't know long term uh, if, uh, well, I'm glad type. I got you on something. Yeah. And he has a, that, you know, the if, thing if is, after the show, I'm practically a cardiologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for being here. I mean, it's been so informative. I can't wait to have you up for the next segment where I really want to dig into. So if you didn't, I mean, if this show you already knew about, like you've had a family member, a relative, or you're suffering from heart disease, and it was really informational for you, I love it. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the next phase uh, of things. If you're about lifestyle changes, about things that you can be aware of uh, for, you know, to fight this for yourself and not be in a situation. So that's going to be coming up. Check us out on Facebook, on the web. You're going to get that exact date when uh, Jay's going to be back on. Can't thank you enough for being here. Really, really appreciate all the expertise and all the help you do. Thank you very much, David. I really appreciate it. And you always can reach out to him, uh, Dr. Jay Pondy, 619-512-1915, my cardiologist and awesome friend. <laughs>